I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms, but in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM, and it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content, and we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today. Andy, according to my friend, Internet, this is what Letterboxd is. Letterboxd is a global social network for grassroots film discussion and discovery. Use it as a diary to record and share your opinion about films as you watch them, or just keep track of films you've seen in the past. Showcase your favorites on your profile page. That is a lot. You bet it is. That's why I want you to tell our fair listeners just one thing you do with Letterboxd that has changed the way you watch movies. Let them have it. Okay, are you ready for this? So ready. I love lists. As of today, I have 246 lists in my account. I use them to track the movies I watch, organize them in all sorts of different ways. I track them by hand. I clone lists from other people. I use them to plan what I'm going to be watching. All sorts of things. I just, I love creating lists. It's a fantastic tool. Sexiest animated characters. Andy, what is this? We love Letterboxd. And if you're a movie lover, we are sure you will too. And when you upgrade from the free account, you will remove ads and support the great Kiwi team building this amazing service. Just use the discount code NEXTREEL or visit thenextreel.com slash letterboxd to get 20% off your pro or patron membership. And it works for renewals as well. Time, folks. Enjoy the show. How are you, Andy? I'm good. Good this fine Saturday morning. Happy How are you doing? I'm very good. Happy Saturday to you, sir. Yes, happy Saturday. Getting ready for the eclipse? Uh, not really. <laughs> eclipse, schmeclipse. Are you you're not? You're not? Uh, you're not up on the eclipse? You don't care so much about the eclipse? You know, I always am excited for eclipses, but until the universe is kind enough to direct the 100% full eclipse at me, it's just, you know, I'm not going to play its game. <laughs> well, I I relate, and I happen to be where the, the universe is actually directing the full totality at me. Uh, I know. Year. It's, it's our, our, our fair city, our, our fair community, I would say, not just the city, like, but Salem, the coast, the uh, Madras is is like, uh, it it is, um, it's full DEFCON five, Eclipse DEFCON five. Is it five or one? Which is the more intense one? I can't remember. 
Five. Five. Yeah, it's, we're at full DEFCON 5 for, for Eclipse Mageddon. And, you know, hours and hours and hours of backup on these little highways that can't handle it. And so it, it's it's going to be a disaster. My, my own family is leaving me at home because I refuse to go outside. They are driving down to Salem <laughs> Salem on uh, uh, tomorrow. Uh, or no, Yeah, tomorrow early. And they're sleeping on the floor of a friend's office building in order to be able to to wake up avoid the traffic and and uh and watch it from downtown from the roof of this office building in downtown salem so they should holy get, cow yeah they should get full totality uh for two and a half minutes and then i don't know it's going to take them three days to get home as far as i as far Jeez. as i've been told yeah it's going to be it's a circus <laughs> it's a complete circus i don't see it i don't it it's it is the planets andy are doing exactly what we're asking them to do <laughs> they just keep spinning, right. just keep spinning. And and does your family know they can get the same view from your house? They will be off by like 0.8 degrees. That is not full totality, Andy. It's oh, not full totality. I you gotta, see. You got to be I part see. of the part of it. Yeah, I think it's like 70% down where I am. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'll still enjoy it. I'll go outside and I'll, I'll blind myself trying to look at it for a I, couple seconds. I think that's a mistake, but we'll let history bear that out. <laughs> uh, what do we have to talk about today? Well, we've got some trailers. We've got some uh, listener feedback, and we've got some box office. We've got, uh, and we've got our list, and maybe we'll throw something else in there. All right. Well, let's start with the something else. Do you want to talk about this Obi-Wan movie? I'm really curious about it. I'm, uh, you know... I, I'm always one for more Star Wars stories. I don't I don't uh, get upset if it's another prequel or sequel. I just enjoy them. I think that they're fun to watch and I enjoy the universe. I've been enjoying the comic books. I just I think the stories that they're coming up with are are interesting. I think an Obi-Wan movie is a really uh, interesting direction to go. If they get Ewan McGregor back, I think that's a win. Um even if they don't, I think it's still going to be fine. Um, the thing I'm most curious about is the fact that they picked Stephen Daldry to direct it, which didn't seem like the choice to, uh, to kind of helm a big, you know, epic Star Wars film. What did you think of that? Well, I, I actually, um, I, I think it's probably the, the best thing they could do is bring somebody who is outside, uh, is from outside the big blockbuster, you know, superhero sci-fi scene, um, you know, his, debut is Billy Elliot and you know if you're a fan of the story of Billy Elliot that's just that's it's it, you could say that that Billy Elliot is effectively uh, uh the young Obi-Wan musical couldn't you if he wanted to if all he <laughs> sure. wanted to do was dance <laughs> I, I remember him saying that in the uh when the press junkets right <laughs> that's what he said he said this young Billy he's just like a young Obi-Wan <laughs> so I, I I have high hopes that there is more dancing <laughs> this is this Obi Wan movie introduces more youthful dancing and exuberance. Um, I, I actually am excited about it. I haven't watched much of The Crown, but man, am I hearing such great things about it! Uh, he directed a couple of episodes, I guess, for the for The Crown, and and uh, ended up with an Emmy nomination out of that. Um, and he's doing Wicked, the musical, also soon, I believe. Wicked, the musical, the movie, the movie, yeah, Wicked, oh, the musical, the movie. That's fantastic. <laughs> 
I would so, see that's I would love to see that. So I'm I'm actually looking forward to it. I think it's just a different eye. And if anything, we're getting out of this uh, out of this Star Wars story stuff. Hopefully, it's just uh, you know bringing in a a batch of people with their own vision. Uh, who will just lend their uh, cr- that sort of vision to the universe? I, I think it's. I think it can only do good by the stories. Well, and that's that's always the crux of it because that's what they want out of this. But, and I think that's always the dilemma: is are the people managing the Star Wars property right now letting these people bring their own vision to it? I mean, certainly it seemed like that was the the battle that happened with the Han Solo movie. Um, I, I, it sounds like there might have been some other issues with just the pace that the filmmakers were uh, using as they were trying to get the movie put together. Um, mm-hmm. But then they brought Ron Howard in, who's a, you know, I think he's a pretty safe filmmaker. I think he's made some amazing films, but I also think he makes some pretty safe films. Right, right. It's certainly somebody who knows how to play by the studio's rules and, uh, you know, isn't, I mean, maybe he's just an older, wiser filmmaker and, and you know, maybe they're kind of looking at Stephen Daldry as that, somebody who has a little more wisdom in the industry, but also kind of knows how to play the game and will kind of, you know, play along and just kind of do what he's told, maybe injecting a little bit of his sensibilities periodically. Yeah, I I, I feel like uh, if it's if it's even just a little bit of his sensibilities, then we'll have more of uh, a variety in the Star Wars universe than we do uh, under Kevin Feige's leadership in Marvel, um, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which, you know, those movies... In, in terms of just their their visual architecture feel much more akin to one another um, than leadership of each of those films would indicate um, yeah so uh, and, and I like them I'm I'm a fan of them you know I'm, I enjoy them for what they are but I would love to see Star Wars if you're gonna go down this road I would love to see Star Wars have a little bit more of that uh, independence in telling these stories yeah I would too uh, you know it's it's interesting because it's I think you can start looking at it kind of like the uh, like the James Bond franchise where they bring in different directors to kind of helm it and everything. Mm-hmm. But really, it's it's the the broccoli family that's kind of guiding it. And it still is going to always have that James Bond element. But I do feel there are certain uh, directors who brought different elements to the story. And um, and so I'd like to think that they're going to stay with a consistent feel, but still have some different sensibilities with it. So I guess we'll just see how it all plays out once we watch them. You want to talk about uh, what's going on in the box office? Yeah, we had, uh, it looks like two big movies opened uh, this weekend, The Hitman's Bodyguard and Logan Lucky. And um, Hitman's Bodyguard was, uh, you know, it it had some uh, funny previews and everything. And it looks like it uh, kicked off its, uh, its, uh, Thursday night previews with a decent, um, a decent number of uh, ticket sales. Uh, Logan Lucky doesn't look like it is going to do as well, unfortunately. Um, right now, they're estimating that Hitman's Bodyguard will hit number one at the box office with only about not even seventeen million, maybe sixteen point eight. Um, Annabelle looks like they're hoping it'll hold on to number two slot, and Logan Lucky coming in at number three with about nine point five million. So we'll have to see how they do. You, I, I know you've been busy reading your trailer uh, over the last couple of days, so, <laughs> so you didn't get out to see Logan Lucky. I've been busy babysitting a puppy, so I have not been, uh, I have not gotten out to see Logan Lucky. But uh, the Once in Future King, Steve Sarmento, did get out to see Logan Lucky, and I just have to share uh, his uh, his review. I don't think it's too spoilery. 
Steven Soderbergh's return to the big screen showcases the talents that made him one of the top filmmakers of the 2000s. 16 years after Ocean's Eleven, we get another heist comedy that delivers everything we expect. The team being assembled, the plan, the execution of the plan in a large-scale setting, this time NASCAR, the aftermath, and the flashbacks of the true plan. Soderbergh manages the juggling act of various storylines and plot points so that we always know what's going on, at least we think we do. This was another pleasant surprise for the summer of 2017, and I'm looking forward to viewing it again. He gave it four stars. I'm actually really excited about this. It's a movie you and I both talked about uh, on the main show when we did a, when we were doing trailer picks over there. It is, uh, I, I was such a huge fan of the Oceans movies. I thought they were funny and smart, and uh, I know I was an island on a couple of them. <laughs> but I did enjoy them very much. And so the, I, I meet this film with great anticipation. It's disappointing that it's not performing better at the box office. I know. That really is disappointing. Um, it, But it, it's one of those ones where it looks kind of quirky. And you know, sometimes those quirky movies are hard to yeah. get an audience to really tap into. And if anything, I like to think if it doesn't find its home at the box office, that it will become one of those cult classics that finds its audience uh, once uh, people can watch it at home. Have you seen uh, much of the uh, many of the pressers, the press interviews? They are, uh, to my eye, they're getting uh, Daniel Craig out there in force to press this movie. But I haven't seen anybody else. I haven't seen any of them, so mm. that's, you've seen more than I have. I that's win interesting, though. Again, <laughs> <laughs> shall we? Uh, shall we talk trailers? Let's do it. I, I'm going to go first because I know how excited you are about yours. That sounds good. All go right. for it. Uh, mine will be quick. Uh, I'm doing Rememory this week. Rememory, uh, directed by Mark Polanski, written by Polanski and Mike Vukadinovich, stars Peter Dinklage, Julia Ormond, and. May he rest in peace, Anton Yelchin. Uh, it is a story of uh, a, the, the widow of a wise professor stumbles upon one of his inventions that's able to record and play a person's memory. Uh, Dinklage is uh, tasked with f- uh, solving the mystery of his murder using this device. It smacks of uh, a little bit of strange days. Uh, smacks of brainstorm, a little bit of brainstorm um, I, uh, with uh, Christopher Walken, Natalie Wood. That was uh, delightful, just delightful. Uh, and so it is reminiscent of all of those things. Um, Rotten Tomatoes says it's uh, it's it's not looking not looking great, uh, but it Martin Donovan's in it, and Martin Donovan is in one of my favorite shorts of all time, Surviving Desire. And so, how can anything with Martin Donovan uh, go south? One might ask. Uh, I, I think that I think it looks really. I, I think it looks interesting, but also because I'm predisposed to like these ideas of, um, you know, things that toy with the brain and record memories and record emotions and those those sorts of stories. I'm always, you know, I, hell, we watch Strange Days again, uh, and it's not a great film. Um, uh, but uh, but you the chose? I, the the idea <laughs> the idea is. That uh, is something that I'm. I'm that is very satisfying for me. What do you think of the trailer? Yeah, it looks interesting. It it kind of reminded me of this um, Robin Williams film called The Final Cut. That I think it was called The Final Cut that came out. Uh, I don't know, like uh, 2004 or so, um, where he was. Uh, it was like a futuristic editor, film editor, but they had like these weird machines, and he was doing. It was it was kind of another sort of detective mystery sort of thing, and. 
it was just kind of a quirky indie uh, sci-fi sort of story that I thought was pretty interesting. This looks like it's the same sort of thing. Like there's an interesting sci-fi element going on here. It looks like an interesting uh, kind of world that they've created here. I love the idea of Peter Dinklage in anything. So uh, it definitely kind of piques my curiosity. Um, I, I don't know if the story sells me, but I think it's it looks interesting enough where I probably will give it a chance. Yeah, it's it's one of those that uh you know, depending on on how you actually use rotten tomatoes. And let's just see because I think it's it's getting a, a maybe an, a bad rap uh unfairly. Uh, and so I just wonder just bear with me here. Rememory. Uh let's see here. 2017. Interesting thing about its distribution is that it is uh it, it's going to play for 2 weeks for free. Uh, on uh, beginning August twenty fourth, on Google Play. Uh, so yeah, sign up for an account; you'll be able to see it there. I don't. Uh, I, I that uh, dubious, dubious distribution. Uh, it is. Uh, it's got a seventeen percent uh, freshness rating. Uh, the average rating out of ten is a four, uh, which is as we have learned from that handy video. Uh, that uh, I believe uh, Ben Lott posted over in the Slack channel. Uh, we've been doing it wrong, and that's the measure we need to look at, uh, how the average rating out of 10, and this is a 4. That's not great. That's not in the, hey, I'm going to roll the dice, it's a 6 or above uh, rating. Right. Yet. So I, I'm, I'm worried about that. But I do. I'm with you. I love Peter Dinklage. I'll I'll see him. I, I love seeing his uh, career take off after Game of Thrones, uh, as it has his notoriety. So I'm I'm in. It also has a gorgeous poster. Uh, so uh, I'm in it for that too. Excellent, excellent. What What's yours? Mine, Pete. Uh, as you mentioned or, or alluded to earlier, I just finished reading <laughs> mine. It's Ready Player One. And I know the trailer has been out for a few weeks, but having just finished the book last night, I was excited to go back through the trailer and watch it. And I went down a, a rabbit hole looking at all the Easter eggs in the trailer and it just got me uh, pretty excited about the film. This is, of course, the uh, big adaptation that Steven Spielberg is helming, adapting Ernest Cline's novel from about six years ago, I think. Um, and uh, and it's written by Ernest Cline and Zach Penn. Zach Penn uh, generally has me worried a little bit as far as some of the stuff that he's been a part of, um, you know, uh, but I, I don't think he's a horrible writer. I mean, he's he's been a part of some interesting properties like The Incredible Hulk and The Avengers and X-Men The Last Stand. Um, but there's also like Elektra and, uh, you know, Incident at Loch Ness and... Uh, PCU. <laughs> He's currently working on, I guess, Suicide Squad 2. So uh, there are ups and downs with his career. I, I haven't been wowed by anything. I guess he got his start writing Last Action Hero, the story that was then uh, taken by, um, uh, what's his name? Why am I blanking on what's Sh his name? Schwarzenegger? That, no, the, that? Yeah, well, Last Action Hero the uh, that was then... Uh, rewritten by uh shane black that's that's oh that's why i, I don't know i couldn't think of shane black yeah but yeah he he rewrote um zach penn and adam left's story and i think uh there was a big fight about that but anyway 
that's uh, that's kind of neither here nor there. Uh, just to say Zach Penn has had an interesting up and down career in Hollywood. I'm not super thrilled that Zach Penn is a part of this, but I'm not going to give it too much thought at the moment, mostly because Spielberg is at the helm. And I think generally, even if his films uh, I'm not in love with, I think he really knows how to put a film together. Um, in this one, we have uh, Ty Sheridan playing the lead character, Wade Watts, uh, a.k.a. Parsival. And uh, as he goes into this, you know, basically it's like the future, it's like this dystopian future where the world, Earth sucks and everybody pretty much spends their time in the oasis, this online virtual world that you get to kind of, uh, you know, live your dreams and have fun and do cool things. And uh, so Ty Sheridan, as Wade Watts, lives in basically the slums. Um, the stacks, as they call them, these all these motorhomes that are all stacked up on top, top of each other, and and but he spends all of his time as Parsifal in uh, in the Oasis, and the owner, the guy who created the Oasis, uh, James Donovan Halliday, played in the film by Mark Rylance, another recent Spielberg um, regular, created this game, and uh, when he died, it it kind of turned on, and there's this Easter egg that everybody's trying to now find. Uh, to basically get control of this, uh, the Oasis and and Halliday's empire, and uh, Wade happens to be the one who finds the first key and sets this huge thing uh, off, and it turns into this big race um, through the Oasis to find all of the uh, the the bits and pieces to get to the final egg, and of course Halliday was kind of grew up in the eighties, and so. Um, Everything in the movie is really referencing to, or and the story is references to all of his favorite things that uh, that he grew up with. So video games and movies and music and TV shows, and it's all in the book. And it's pretty exciting to see because it's as it looks right now, it's all in the trailer too. What did you think? Well, uh, as you mentioned, a, a lot of his favorite things were from the '80s, and a lot of his favorite things were from. Steven Spielberg properties. And so all of those things <laughs> are in the movie too. The meta nature of having Steven Spielberg direct a movie that is essentially about a, a trip down Steven Spielberg property memory lane. Uh, it, I, I don't know. I hope it's not too much for us because I'm with you. I adore the book. I really do. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I feel like God, there was a, a, a great, <laughs> great review um, uh, of, of the book that I saw on on YouTube recently where the, uh, the the reviewer said, you know, make sure you read the book before the movie comes out because as soon as the movie comes out, anytime anybody mentions Ready Player One, it's going to be about the cinematic experience, right? And and that, it, it, it worries me that, you know, that will, because of the sheer, you know, pop culture weight that comes with Steven Spielberg that we're going to forget uh, how great the book was because the book was really great and um, and and a lot of fun and like you said you just can't put it down it's it's it is a race it's as much of a race to read it as it is a race to to um, you know to through the book itself um, so I, I'm with you on that but the cast I really like I'm excited about um, you know Olivia Cook as uh, Artemis uh, you know she was Rachel and me Earl and Dying Girl which was one of my favorite movies of last year uh, was it last year God was it further a couple years ago, ago. Yeah. Uh, anyway I, I remember it as if it was last year uh, Ben Mendelsohn <laughs> Simon Pegg uh, Mark Rylance I mean uh, uh, great great people in in this movie I'm very excited to see it beyond Ty Sheridan uh, so I, I'm excited about what is to come of it I'm 
I'm just a little bit heartsick because it's an adaptation that has become sort of important to me. And so it makes me nervous. Yeah, absolutely. I get nervous too. But I, you know, looking at the trailer, I mean, I, I, like I said, I went down this rabbit hole of, of Easter eggs in the trailer. Oh, yeah. And there's, you know, you mentioned Steven Spielberg properties. I only really see two. And both of those were ones that he was more of a producer on, not so much uh, it's something he directed. And yeah, that was Back fair. to the Future. And I think this, the Scorpion that we see somebody riding might be a Transformers uh, Scorponic mm-hmm. Scorpion, Scorponic. but I'm not quite sure. Scorponic, I scorponic. It's you know, you say potato, I say potato. <laughs> it's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let me let me just read this list of things that we see in the trailer, and this is probably not even complete because it's insane. And I swear, I looked through so many different trailers. I don't think that there is a a full HD version of the trailer out there. Did they you all did you really click kinda... the? Did you take a picture of the QR code on the race car as it was crashing? I didn't, but I did hear that there was a secret code in there. It's a, it's a yeah, no, I can, I'm not going to tell you. You should go do it. It's cool. It's cool. I, I'm not, well, t- I'm not, not going to lie. I'm excited about that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here's the list. You ready? I'm holding I'm on to my seat. This. I know you are. Ready? Batman, The Matrix, Harley Quinn, Deathstrike, uh, Conan the Barbarian, Gandalf the Grey, uh, Iron Giant, uh, like I said, Scorponic or whatever you want to call it. Oh, I want to call uh, it Scorponic. Joust. Okay, the Joust Ostriches, Freddy Krueger, Duke Nukem, the Halo Assault Rifle, uh, A-Team's Van, Mad Max's Car, Christine, uh, Back to the Future DeLorean, Knight Rider, Akira's Bike, uh, Azog the Defiler, uh, maybe Speed Racer, uh, there's some music from Willy Wonka, you see Lara Croft in there, there's the Bigfoot Monster Truck, there's uh, Shrek, there's Mortal Kombat, there's music from Rush, there's Gears of War, Street Fighter, Atari, Sega, that's just the list that I had put together so far. Yeah. And that's what I love about the book is he wrote it in such a way where just these things just randomly pop up. And he says that people still haven't found all of the Easter eggs that he has in the book. Yeah, There's just so much um, reference that he's throwing in there to just pop culture. And it's just, it's fun. It makes the read so much fun. And it, it really creates just such an exciting world. And, um, you know, and as a as a huge fan of Joust, it was always my favorite uh, uh, video game. Totally. It was like exciting to see it play kind of a key part of the story too. So, I'm just really excited. I can't wait for this one. It's just uh, you know we have to wait till next March to see it open. Do but. you do you wonder at all? I wonder if this film will set a record in the most expensive film to produce as a result because of, of legal licensing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I did wonder about that because there, you know, the Iron Giant pops up in the trailer. Yeah, he's mentioned briefly in the book, but uh, uh, you know, there's this this part where people pick these robots, and but nobody picks the Iron Giant. And I'm wondering if if the Iron Giant was picked in, and he's in the trailer, or he's going to be in the film because the character who they're trying to get in uh or that that we see in the in the book was not licensable like it might have been too expensive or they just wouldn't release the rights to it or something and i'm getting we're going to have some of that and obviously there are already changes we have this big race featured in the trailer there is no such thing in the book and so i'm curious to see kind of what the differences are going to be as they uh, start shifting this into more of the cinematic universe right right all right, I'm excited about it. I'll wait till March. I'll, I'll, I'll I will go into it with an open mind, Andy. We're definitely going to read the book again. As if uh, we read it, like all of us in the family read it, and uh, 
except my wife, so not all of us. She doesn't read those things. <laughs> uh, but we're all very excited about it, and uh, so I think we'll get try to get one more pass through it uh, before we uh, see the movie. Excellent, all right. excellent. All right, shall we do the lists? Let's do it. Let's do the list. Set us up. What are we talking about today? So in honor of uh, our last movie, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, we have a character who had died and then was resurrected. So our list this week is uh, sci-fi characters who die and then get resurrected, brought back to life in one way or another. So uh, do you want to kick us off? I don't know. I don't know how you're going to vote on this one, but because you were such a flagrant cheater last week, I'm going to go ahead and give it a shot. Uh, this is... <laughs> Lest we forget, uh, Tom Cruise's character of Bill Cage in Edge of Tomorrow, who is resurrected, in heavy air quotes, again and again and again and again and again. What do you think? I think that's a good one. I think so, too. I was excited about it. Yeah, that's a fun one. I uh, That's such a brilliant movie that I'll... I'll I feel like it might be slightly cheating because it's it's not like, you know, a big death, but it kind of is because he does die and he just, you know, happens to absorb this alien blood and gets to keep right. living it. So right. And some, I guess of, I'll, yeah. some of those deaths are are uh, are bigger than others. There's the montage That's of right. deaths, which makes them very small, but some of them are bigger than others. And I think it I think it fits. Uh, I, I love what that movie did. I wish that they had. I wish that they'd figured out what they were, how they were going to market it before they actually began marketing it, uh, because I think it deserved an even bigger, uh, a bigger bit of attention, uh, mainstream attention than it got. Absolutely, I do too. What's your uh, What's oh, your well. number three? So, my number three, I was really trying to think think of ones that uh, that just kind of um, I felt they handled it in a kind of a way that worked or that hit me well. I, I guess I've got different things. Uh, for each one, so this one I just think I liked. Uh, I liked that it happened. I thought it was done in a in a powerful way. Um, I thought the 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 um, resurrection might have been a little, uh, just a nice little twist. But I I didn't I didn't uh, I don't know. I guess I didn't um, think it was necessary, but I still liked it. And it's Professor X in X Men: The Last Stand. Um, when when Patrick Stewart, I just thought it was such an interesting death scene. I really liked it. And then you've got that little kind of hint of the rebirth right at the very end there. It's not the greatest movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I don't know. It just it struck me as something that I really liked. I, I liked that they actually killed him off in the film. And then there's this little hint of rebirth at the end. Were you were you moved? I mean, like, were you emotionally moved? No, it, no and I think I'm more emotionally moved by... Um, another one like the number one on my list yeah I, I just i don't know i just i liked the professor x character i thought patrick stewart was such a perfect person to cast for that character that it actually really took me by surprise that they actually killed him yeah because i really wasn't expecting him to die and uh and so when they brought him back um you know it's just it was a nice little twist and uh, you know it wasn't anything surprising it wasn't anything that i guess was that great I was just glad that, you know, he's a character I liked so much that uh, even if it was a film I didn't like that much, I liked that they brought him back. And, hey, it, it let us have him again in Logan. So Yeah, absolutely. And and arguably, I mean, in terms of his swan song as the as the professor, that that's that opened the door for it. So I, I agree. Uh, that's yeah. enough of a win. Yeah, uh, he should he should have been on one of our lists last week. Yeah. He really should have. For a character who died, yeah. Yeah. God, we're just spoiling things left and right. Fail. Spoiler alert. Uh, my number two is, I, I actually picked because, uh, 
I don't, I, because it made me crazy. And that is, of course, Sigourney Weaver's Ripley in Alien 3 and 4. Alien 4. Well, oh, the death in 3? Death and in 3. Resurrection in 4. Resurrection in four. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Now, the death in 3, um, the setup of the death in 3, the visual setup, I think, was awesome. Dramatic, great music, great crane shot around the the thing before she falls off backwards and does her, you know, nasty plunge into the lava. And then the alien bursts through her chest and I it was head slapping. I'm like, oh God, please. That was I did not like that. I was not crazy about that. So I think it was set up well to give me an emotional impact until it made me slap my head. And then they made Alien 4 where the head slapping just didn't stop. <laughs> it was just constant head slapping. And and so the emotional reaction that I had as a result of that experience was a negative one uh, and uh, and a sorrowful one, uh, but I feel like it counts. I think it definitely counts. It's It, it was sad seeing Ripley go. Um, I, I didn't slap my head so much at the end of, of part three because um, I, I kind of enjoyed the way that they did that. Yeah. Even if it was a little bit you know, of a Jesus dive, you know, yeah. she has her arms outstretched and everything. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, it was fine. But the, um, yeah, but it, if it meant that we had to suffer through uh, part four, then then uh, that is a shame. Yeah, <laughs> right. The door, uh, but, the door yeah, is Ripley, closed. Yeah, but Ripley is a great character, so it, sometimes it's hard to pass that up. Right. Well, my number two, this one is uh, on my list because it, I think because it hit me at, uh, when, when I saw this, uh, I guess I would have seen it in when I was, uh, five or six years old. Uh, it hit me, uh, pretty strongly. I, looking back at the film now, I think it is a little, I, I think it works. I think it, it, the way that it sets the, the, the end of the film up is a little silly, but I still like this moment. And that is the death of Lois Lane in Superman. Um, it was, it was an unexpected death. Um, and it really hit me as a kid because like Lois Lane shouldn't die. And it really made me sad. I was very sad when I watched this film. Um, and I loved that he actually (laughs) spins the earth around backward to make time move backward and bring Lois Lane back to life. Uh, in retrospect, I think it's completely silly. I, that whole ending, I just roll my eyes at now. Um, but I still find this moment powerful because it's it's such a big moment for Superman that when he loses her, he actually, you know, puts this whole thing into motion to bring her back to life. And I think that's pretty interesting. Oh, man, I totally agree. And you know what? I don't I don't find it silly today at all. I watched it with when, the first time I watched it with my kids. I was thinking, wow, this is gruesome. I mean, there she is. She's being just crushed by rocks. Andy, she's being buried. I know. <laughs> and and Christopher Reeve totally sells his grief in that movie. It's like it's, 100%. It's so good. Like I it's really good. And the fact that he spins the earth the other way, it, it is a ridiculous thing, but of course, it it works in the context of the film and I was not taken out of it at all. I thought that's awesome. We should totally try that for some stuff. Let's go ahead and start <laughs> trying that in the real we should try spinning the world the other way. Let's just roll the dice and see what happens. Let's, I'm let's send some other things back. Let's do that. We <laughs> Re- got redo. Believe me, we have enough things we need to do over. Uh, yes, we do. I'm very excited. Okay, my last, uh, uh, my last pick, my number one, the pick that satisfied my inner 12 year old, even though I was not 12 when I saw it, uh, was the death of Neo in the first Matrix movie. Hmm. 
Very nice. Uh, I adored the way this was done, that we have him in the hallway with the agents. He's shot. He is uh, he's shot a lot, and he falls over dead, and then it cuts back into the the ship, and she is talking to him. He's plugged in to the, to the Matrix, and she's talking to him. She says she loves him, and he comes back, uh, and that it, it's it's a f- quick sequence they don't give you a lot of time to grieve before he comes back and just completely kicks ass and i uh, it is so satisfying to me uh the way that sequence plays out um that uh it's easily my number one that is a brilliant brilliant moment should have been on my list somewhere because that is such a great uh a great uh resurrection and brings so much to the end of that film yeah. so Solid choice, solid choice. Thank you, sir. And your final? My final one, I, I still stuck in my childhood for this other one. Um, and it's it's the death of E.T. and him coming back to life. Because, uh, you know, again, just like Lois Lane, it was one of those ones that I saw at an age where it just, it hit me hard. And it was really just a powerful moment to see E.T. die, especially when when the kid finds him like in the in the gully there it's just like this this pale little dead thing and it's just so sad and awful or a dying thing at that point but then when he dies and Drew Barrymore starts bawling and the flower dies and everything it just really killed me and having that moment where the flower starts coming back to life and just i mean talk about a great cinematic moment and uh, tying back into Steven Spielberg i just think that was really really solid moment that has always stuck with me oh i love it that's a great great choice it was just heart wrenching death of et that was terrible mhm Bes- very much besides so. when the the death of bambi when godzilla steps on bambi and that the open of that uh, <laughs> Godzilla, of versus Godzilla versus Bambi, or Bambi, or Bambi versus, Godzilla. versus Godzilla, whatever it is. Yeah, that's probably the greatest, uh, the, the greatest, uh, uh, most impactful cinema death of my youth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is, oh, you! This is a great list. Uh, what? What do we? I, I feel like we should tease next week. Now that we're doing this, like, what? What are we talking about? Our, the list for next week, so people can start thinking about what they're gonna, what, what they might add on their list. I think we're talking, since uh, we're going to be looking at Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, I think we're looking at uh, Great Animal Rescues next week, right? Great Animal Rescue, because of course the crew of the Enterprise goes back and rescues two whales for the future. That's right. Yeah. And so we, we thought the best animal rescues would be a good a good list. I don't even know where to begin. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be an interesting we'll list, see. if nothing else. We'll see what happens. So uh, anyhow, uh, I, I think that's all we have for this week, uh, right? No other news? Let's get out of here. Let's I get, know. I think that's it. Get started I with our weekends. It, huh? uh, thank you, everybody, of course, for, for uh, downloading and listening to uh, this show, to all the shows, and most specifically, particularly for being supporters on Patreon. We sure appreciate uh, you helping us do uh, what we do with the movies every week. We sure appreciate it. Oh, there we Absolutely. go. It's, it's dog time. Did you hear that? Okay, I did. We've got a sorrowful dog line. ready to go. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you next week on uh, Saturday Matinee. You know what I got the other day, Pete? Stephen King's latest. Want to borrow it? Do you know who you're talking to? What do you mean? Andy, when's the last time I read a paper book? It's been decades. I would much rather use Kindle, or better yet... Audible. What am I thinking? I don't read paper books anymore either. I'm an audiobook guy all the way. For those of you looking to listen to the books behind the films we discussed on the Next Reels family of podcasts, 
get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at thenextreel.com slash audible. There are so many great adaptations from these podcasts available in audio form. Steve and JJ talked about a lot of great ones like Odd Thomas. Isn't that series a favorite of yours? Oh, I love me some Dean Koontz. They also covered The Two Faces of January based on Patricia Highsmith's novel. I bet the book is far better than that movie. Oof. How about the Futurological Congress by Stanislaw Lem? That was the source for that quirky Robin Wright movie, The Congress. Crazy book. Definitely worth checking out. They also covered Lean on Pete, Leave No Trace, Aniara, Papillon, The Goldfinch, The Yellow Birds, and If Beale Street Could Talk. So many great adaptations covered in so many great conversations, not just on Trailer Rewind, but all of the Next Reels family of podcasts. And you can get all of these as audiobooks on Audible, along with thousands of other great reads. Producing these podcasts is a lot of fun, but takes a lot of time. So, we're directly appealing to you, our dear listener. Please consider an Audible subscription to help support the Next Reels family of podcasts. I've been using Audible along with my family for decades now. I love it, and I've read hundreds of books through it. Couldn't be more pleased with their service, and I know you'll love it too. Head to thenextreel.com slash audible and get your free trial. It really helps us out. And you have a world of over 200,000 audiobooks open to you. So much great material available. Dive in with a free trial and get your first free audiobook at thenextreel.com slash audible. Start listening to amazing audiobooks of your favorite movie source material with your first free audiobook today. That's thenextreel.com slash audible. Audible.